What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and as always, I'm here with Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, man, what's cooking? How you doing? Hey, man. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, too. I'm I'm doing I'm I'm doing better than a lot of Mets fans I think. <laughs> we're talking on this Monday after the trip to Atlanta. Um it didn't go so well for our Mets, you know. And look, I've been in front of Chip Carey ever since he made that comment and I'm sure he's like basking in his glory. I told you things would be different. When they come to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know by now, the Mets went to Atlanta a game up with six to play, uh, a game up in the NL East, and promptly got swept by the Atlanta Braves. And so now the Mets are two games back with three to play, and the Braves have the tiebreaker should they end up tied. So essentially the Mets are two and a half games back, right? Um, with three to play. So um, I think it's safe to say, Rob, that the NL East division belongs to it, to the Atlanta Braves again for the fifth season in a row. Um, I think coming into the season, if you would have told me Atlanta would win the division and the Mets would be the first wild card, I think most Mets fans would have taken that and said, hey, this is great. But right now, it doesn't feel so great, I think, for a lot of Mets fans because of the way it happened with the Mets being in first place most of the year and then, you know, letting it slip through their fingertips here at the end of the season. Yeah, it's a a real gut punch, I think I would describe it as, what happened with, with the Mets. And I'll give you credit, Jeff. You've been very cautious with the Mets and, and them being in first place most of the year playing so well for a long time. And I've been the optimistic one here, even as a Yankee fan saying, no, 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 the Mets got it. Relax, Jeff. The, the Mets got it. So I, I'll give you credit for that, for staying cautiously optimistic, we'll say. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it's a gut punch. The Mets had their their three best starters, I think, going, obviously with DeGrom and Scherzer, uh, both taking the loss. So I think you go into the series with the circumstances, end of the year, pretty much a division on the line, so to speak. And I think when you look at who the Mets had going, I think you would have put your money on the Mets cautiously, but still put your money on them based on the pitching matchups. Uh, but, man, Atlanta's no joke, man. No. They, they're they <clears throat> scary good, and they're hot and ready to roll for the playoffs. So yeah. I think, you know, obviously the Dodgers have the best record in baseball, 110 wins right now, but Atlanta is a team to watch out for. Because they're no slouch. No, they're not. Um, You know, they're a well-rounded team. Offensively, they have a lot of firepower. Um, Starting pitching, even with Spencer Strider being out right now, they still, you know, especially in the postseason, when you're going to reduce your rotation anyway, Mm -hmm. they still are strong with Freed and Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton. Um, You know what I mean? So they still have that. And then their bullpen is excellent. You know, the acquisition of Azel Iglesias has really solidified that bullpen. Kenley Jansen seems to have his act together right now. You know, they got Massick and and Minter and Jesse Chavez. And even Colin McHugh gives them good, you know, 
good innings and things like, like that. So I think overall, they're just a, a well-rounded team. They can be beat and they can be pitched to because again, in this series, um, you know, it, 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 the games were close, um, but the Braves were just better. And, and Rob, I want to talk a little bit about the rotation and how the Mets went into the series, because the original plan was to have Bassett pitch game one. Mm-hmm. In other words, the, the way their rotation was really set up was Bassett, DeGrom, Scherzer. And then on the Thursday off day leading into the weekend series, the Mets switched it up and put DeGrom first and put Bassett for the Sunday night game, the third game of the series, which had the effect of putting Bassett on eight days rest. And, you know, sometimes you hear about pitchers who have extended rest saying, I'm too strong. You know what I mean? I was too strong. Uh, Again, baseball players, like most athletes, are creatures of habit. And if you're used to pitching every five days and now at the critical juncture, you know, with this critical series, the Mets rejiggered their rotation and Bassett ended up pitching on eight days and, and so forth. I didn't like that move when it happened uh, because one, I didn't think DeGrom had been pitching that well coming in. He had lost to the Cubs. Um, he couldn't hold on to a lead against the Pirates. He got slapped around the park in Oakland, right? Now think about that. Cubs, Pirates, Oakland. The last three starts coming into this series and DeGrom was like struggling. And then you're going to put him up front and I understand he's DeGrom, but I'm saying Cubs, Pirates, Oakland. Yeah. And he's struggling with them. And you're going to put him up front to start the series at the expense of having Bassett pitching on eight days rest. And DeGrom goes out there, gives up three home runs, Mets lose five to two. And, you know, that's how the weekend gets started. I didn't like that move, Rob. I didn't like, you know, rejiggering your rotation at the last minute, especially if it meant you know, giving Bassett perhaps too much rest. And last night his control was was not there. And you just wonder yeah. if he was just too strong. Yeah, and that like you said, that a lot of pitchers are even against like a six man rotation because of that extra day of rest. Um so yeah, that might have thrown Bassett completely off. Um I don't like the move either because like you said, the Grom is the Grom, but he's not pitching like the Grom right now. Not as not recently. Um, so you wonder if there's some lingering, you know, effects or something going on from the injury. Um, but yeah, man, it's just not, maybe they switched it up. Maybe they're kind of setting up for October for the playoffs, which a lot of teams do. But I think when you're going into a series like this, where there's still a lot of implication as to what happens, because like I said, you want to have the division, especially in the national league where they're at least for me, like there's so many strong teams in the national league going into the playoffs. You want to try to have home field advantage, win the division, you know, any chance you can get, take it. And I don't think putting the Grom first right there was the best option for the Mets. I think you have to continue it how you had it and then figure out the, the, uh, the playoff stuff later on. Once you've locked up the division, I mean, you've got three guys in the Grom, Scherzer, and Bassett who can go in the game one. But for this series specifically, I think you have to keep Bassett at one and then, you know, figure out the rotation from there, whether it was Scherzer or, or DeGrom in game two. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I didn't like the move either. Yeah. Because to me, 
this series is more important because if you if you if if you could position yourself in this series and then take care of things against the nationals coming out mm-hmm. of this series, then you're gonna get the buy. So you have plenty of time to get your guys some rest and have your rotation set up for the LDS. You know what I'm saying? So to me, yeah. I wouldn't be looking ahead to the playoffs because this series is going to determine whether you're going to be a wild card or, you know, largely determine whether you're going to be a, lo- a wild card or the division winner. And so in my mind, I would have just, you know, wanted to come in here and keep things the way they were and then go from there. But, you know, um, it's really interesting, Rob, because Max Freed went five innings because he got sick and, and they had to take him out, but he went five. Kyle Wright went five. Um, and Charlie Morton couldn't even get to through the fifth inning. So it wasn't as if the brave starters <clears throat> dominated the Mets. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's not like they pitched into yeah. the seventh inning and, and all the rest of that. But the Mets, as has been, I think, one of their Achilles heels all year, um, weren't able to get the timely hit with men on base. You know, they had... You know, in the first three innings, they had like nine hits against Charlie Morton. You know what I'm saying? But it only had three runs because, you know, they just couldn't get that timely hit. And two of the runs were solo home runs. You know what I mean? Yeah. By McNeil and Vogelbach. So you think about that. Seven other hits produced only one run. You see what I'm saying? Like Crazy. Because they get guys <laughs> on base, but then they can't get them across. And, um, you know, that that was... You know, that was a big part of it. But but I want to give you something, Rob, that I, I, I wrote down before we got on the air here. Um, Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso for the Mets. The key cocks offensively for the, for the Mets. No doubt about it. Alonso leads the league in RBIs. Lindor has over 100 RBIs from the shortstop position. Set a record for home runs and RBIs for a Mets shortstop. So he's had you know, a, a really good year. In the series, Lindor's a shortstop, Alonzo's a first baseman. Lindor was two for thirteen. Alonzo was three for ten. And they had no RBIs. Right? But meanwhile, their counterparts, Dansby Swanson, shortstop for the Braves and uh Matt Olson, the the, the first baseman for the Braves. Swanson was four for 11 with three home runs and four RBIs. And Olsen was five for nine with three home runs and five RBIs. Wow. See, to me, right? See, the Mets, you you can't have your big guns getting outperformed like that in a series like this. And I'm not putting it all on Lindor and and Alonzo, right? This was a team failure. But I'm saying, if these are your guys, your guys have to show up in games like this, right? They absolutely do. They do. This is, you. I mean, obviously it's the regular season, but this is playoff baseball. Yeah. That series is playoff implications, playoff baseball, playoff atmosphere. And you want to see your, your big guns show up and produce and lead your team. And, and it just, it didn't happen. No. Those numbers are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, wow. you know, Swanson and Olsen combined for nine hits. Six of them were home runs. Each one of Man. them hit a home run in every game. Each game they hit a home run. And see, that's wow. showing up. Yeah. That's how you show up for a series like this. That's how you show up for 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 a game like this and um and for games like this. And I just think the Mets did not show up. And 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 again, part of it I believe is a growth thing. I mean, again, you're talking about the Braves. Five years in a row now, more than likely after they if they clinch the division this year, it'd be five years in a row that they win a division. But these are the World Series champions, right? They're battle tested, they're playoff tested. They know how to play games like this. Yeah. Right. Um, and the Mets are in a team that's a perennial um, playoff team. They have a lot of new faces on their team and so forth. And they don't. And so I think part of it, to be fair to them, is they have to grow into this. And they have to realize that these games are different. And when they play and they get to the postseason, hopefully they will take some of this with them and realize they're going to have to up their game. And they're going to have to bring the energy and bring the production because play, there's a big difference, Rob. You know this as a Yankees fan, you know, perennially in the playoffs, there's a big difference between playoff baseball and regular season baseball. Oh, yeah. Huge difference, man. It, even just the crowd atmosphere, it changes. It it absolutely – everything changes, man. You know, the magnifying glasses on you, it, it's it, – it's, it's something different, man. And you have to step up, especially when you're going against your rivals. It's a, it's a whole different atmosphere, man. I remember even just last year being at Fenway Park in that, I think it was the last series between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Nothing was established yet in the playoffs. Yankees were still trying to get in, all that stuff. And the atmosphere at Fenway was very different than if it was a game in, in May or June. But being in there late September – seeing the crowd, the players, you know, that's where you determine, you separate players. You know what I mean? You see who's who's ready for the playoffs and who's still a little bit shaky. So that, that's a great point. The Mets haven't been here yet. They haven't experienced the success, which it sometimes comes at a price, and, and they're seeing it now. So hopefully, like you said, they, do can, they can grow from this and take this experience into the playoffs and, and show up when it matters. Yeah, I mean, I I would hope so. Um, I would hope so. And I think if the Mets do end up winning the wild card, which, again, the Braves are likely to win the division. It might just be a formality at this point, right? Yeah. And if the Mets end up with the wild card, they're going to have the three home games, if they, you know what I mean, at um, at City Field, right? And it's either going to be against the Padres or or the Phillies. I think the Phillies are a game behind. Um the Padres so it's not as if you know Philly is out of it you know in terms of becoming the fifth seed Mm. right so the Mets could end up playing Philadelphia but whoever they play they'll be playing at home and you know that dynamic you spoke about with the crowd being different maybe that'll bet it should benefit them right yeah and if they could take care of business in the wild card round um you know that maybe erases the bad taste here from losing to the Braves here at the end of the season. And then they have an appointment with the Dodgers, which quite frankly, Rob, I think will allow them to breathe because no one will expect them to win that series. That is very true. And so they can play freely. 
Yeah, it's the Dodgers. Everyone is expecting the Dodgers not so much to run through the the National League, but they expect it's it's World Series or bust expectation wise. Right. For the Dodgers, so yeah, I think when if the Mets have to go against the Dodgers, I like the matchup. I think the Mets can beat them if their guys step up. Yes. I think they can go toe to toe with the Dodgers, and there's a chance they can beat them. And like you said, they'll be the underdogs going in, so it, it's very little pressure on them and a lot of pressure on the Dodgers to win that series. Yeah. But I think of the big three in the National League, when you think about the Dodgers, Braves, and Mets, the one thing that separates the Dodgers and the Braves from the Mets is that both teams have multiple players who can change a game with one swing. Mm -hmm. And the Mets don't have that. The Mets have to kind of piece it together most of the time, you know, Alonzo, it's not like they can't hit, but then they're, they're not a they're, they're not a big bopping team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, Alonzo is their guy, but they don't have a lot of other real threats. I mean, they, you know, Lindor hit 25 home runs, so he's no slouch. But, um, you know, the Braves and the Dodgers both have so many guys, you know, who can you know, a three-run deficit or a two-run deficit is gone, right, with a three-run shot by somebody. You know what I mean? And it's all up and down the lineup. They can do that to you. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the, sorry, one of the things that we spoke about at the trade deadline is the Mets needing that impact bat yeah. that they didn't get. And I think in games like that is where you you see the difference. Yeah. Now, they did bring up their highly touted prospect, and some are saying he's the number one prospect in all of baseball, Francisco Alvarez. They called him up as the right-handed bat, put him in as a DH, put Darren Ruff, who has failed miserably in that role for the Mets since the trade from San Francisco. Um, They had placed him on the injured list. And so they had um, Alvarez come, and, you know, he got the righty at bats in this series at the D8 spot. (laughs) Wow. Let me tell you something, man. That kid is swinging from the bus. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) he he had eight eight at-bats in the series. He swung at the first pitch all eight times. Wow. He had some at-bats where he struck out on three pitches, and he swung at all three pitches. I mean, I understand, I understand being aggressive. You know what I mean? I get that. You want to be aggressive? I get that. I can understand you wanting to be aggressive. But I want to tell you something. He's 20 years old. You're in the big leagues now. You're in a big series against the defending champions. It didn't take them too long to, to, to figure out. We don't have to throw this guy a strike. Yeah. He's going to swing anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't an auspicious start. And again, it wasn't on him why the Mets lost this series. But I found that to be both amusing and frustrating. Like, dude, what are you doing? Man, I, I listen, number one prospect. I think he's just trying to make an impact, especially in a big series. But hey, not that I, way, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. But um, but in any event, look, the Mets are going to go to the postseason. Um, I'm sure they'll be part of your postseason analysis, which we're going to, I'm sure, get in a couple of days. Um, 
and and we'll see what happens. Um, I, I think they it's good that they're going to play these three games against the Nationals. They'll have an off day on Thursday, and then, you know, it's showtime. Yeah, right? man. So it's not a lot of time to be thinking about it and and crying in your milk for the New York <laughs> Mets. So um, <laughs> there you go. So Chip Carey should be happy. The Mets came to Atlanta, and uh, you know they got their butts kicked. Um, let's let's switch gears, man. What's up with your boy Aaron Judge, man? He can't hit home runs anymore. He's stuck on sixty-one. Man, it's time to send him to the minor leagues, Jeff. <laughs> send him down. <laughs> this guy can't hit. Man, I don't know, man. I think I think pitchers have finally figured out. We were just joking about this offline. They finally figured out that if you go away, 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 so far away that he's just going to take walks, he's not going to hit the home run. And I think <laughs> – yeah, 61 home runs in. They finally figured this out. But listen, man, if I'm judge, I'm going to take a softball approach here and I'm going to move around at the plate. When I see that ball coming, I'm going to take a couple of steps in and I'm going to swing at that ball outside. I think he has the power to do that. Maybe flick one one handed over the fence, something, man. Because it doesn't look like anyone wants to pitch to him to give it up. Now, I will give credit to some pitchers. They are going after him and he is striking out. But for the most part, man, everything I've seen is low in a way, like obviously pitching around him. And you hope in this last series of the season that he gets at least one mistake where he can knock it over the fence and, and finally put this to rest, man. Yeah. But I, I think he'll get it. He'll get it done. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I thought that he – had it in the bag. And in fact, I thought he was going to take a run at getting close to 70. I didn't think he was going to get there. But, you know, when he was on that tear, as he went through the 50s, it seemed like he was going to do it. And he was hitting multiple home runs and all the rest of it in in, in the game. And then he was stuck on 59 for a while. Then he got 60. And then he was stuck on 60 for a good while. Yeah. And then, you know, hit 61 finally. And... You know, now we got four games left. And um, so we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, so he's going to end up, I think he's going to end up with the record. But, you know, he kind of gets there, you know, huffing and puffing, it seems. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll get it. He'll get it. Matter of fact, I'll make a prediction. He's going to get it that first game against Texas. Okay. He's going to get it over with. That way he can kind of, Kind of do look what Albert Pujols is doing right now, where he's just kind of adding on to that 700 plus. Yeah, that, that, that's what Judge is going to do. He's going to get it out the way first game, and then just we'll see how many he ends up with. Now the Yankees are going to have a bye in in the first round, so that's going to be good for them. Um, and again, I'm sure. Um, well, you won't be talking about the Yankees in in your first playoff sort of preview, but. Um, at least they have an opportunity to, to get some rest, get some guys healthy, set up their rotation, and then go from there. Um, yeah. So, so that that's that's pretty good. Um, but like if the if if things were to end now, and if the top seeds in the wild card emerged, who would the Yankees play? I think right now it's is it Tampa. 
Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's Tampa and or the Guardians. I think that's the series. Because Tampa right now is the Tampa right now. Are they the last wild card? Tampa is the first wild card, right? I don't know. I was asking you. <laughs> oh no, Tampa is the last one. Yeah. Yeah, they've shot down a bit. Toronto, Seattle, and Tampa. Shout out to Seattle, by the way. Ending yeah, that they, playoff drought. Right, right. They they broke the drought. And I, yeah, because Toronto is firmly entrenched as the first wild card. Um, they got a two and a half game lead. I shouldn't say firmly entrenched, but two and a half games uh, lead. You would think they're going to hold on to that first wild card spot. Um, and Seattle has a game and a half lead on Tampa. So Tampa right now is at the bottom. Tampa will, is going to be playing the Guardians, right? Yes. Right. And so it seems to me Houston's going to play the winner of the Guardians Tampa. Yeah. Right. So, wow. The Yankees are going to so they might they're going to face the winner of Toronto Seattle if things end the way it is today. They would face Actually, the winner. Actually, no. So if it ends today, the Yankees play the Rays or the Guardians, and then Astros play Mariners or Blue Jays. Really? Why is that? That's interesting. I'm not sure. Because that's not how it is in the National League, right? Because <laughs> National League, the Braves the would play. Oh, the Dodgers are getting the winner of four or five. Yeah, so the right. Braves I would get play yeah, Philly yeah, Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because the whole idea that the Guardians supposedly – it, as a division winner <laughs> are a really good team. I get it. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. It's sort of like St. Louis Dodgers, the Dodgers, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're supposedly so good at their division winner. That's right. Okay. So and if I the like Guardians held serve, then they'll play the Guardians. Yeah. Good for the Yankees. I, I kind of like those either one of those matchups, to be honest. Sure. The Rays are always beat up. They're all beat up this year. And the Guardians, they have great pitching. I'll tell you that. Great pitching. Yeah. And just offensively, I think the Yankees can get through, especially the way they've been swinging lately. And I don't think the Guardians have the bats to beat the Yankees. Yeah, but remember we were talking about, you know, the teams that got to go to Cleveland in yeah, October. You know, it's going to change. That's just one thing about about you know october baseball offense changes the air is heavier especially in the northeast and balls that were like home runs during the regular season they die short of the warning track you know what i mean yeah. so it, it it becomes it becomes different and then the pitching is just so competitive every pitch right is is you know, dealt with purpose, you know what I mean? In the playoffs a little bit different, but look, I think the Yankees should come out of that. I'm just hoping they do. Um, and again, getting ahead about myself here, but I would love to see the Yankees and Astros, bro. I would love Me to too. see that series, but I, I think it's inevitable. Honestly, it, it, the Yankees have to beat the Astros. I think it's time <laughs> for my sake. For my sanity, I think they, if they match up, they, the Yankees have to, they have to, they can't let this one go. 
Yeah. But I'm telling you, I mean, I, to, Toronto and Seattle, you know, they got to play each other, so they're going to knock, you know, one of those teams is going to get knocked out. But, you know, whoever survives that is going to be a tough out. Yeah. You know, so, but we'll, we'll see how that comes through. So, so when you do, when are you planning to do uh, a, a um, playoff preview, man? I mean, you know, playoffs are starting on Friday. We'll we'll have it before then. I, I'll get in the lab tonight, maybe some tomorrow after work. I'll, I'll have it ready. Okay, all right. Because you know we got it. We got to hear the bold predictions and all the analysis that goes with it. So looking forward to that. Um, but uh, let's switch gears and talk a little NFL. How about them Cowboys? Um, <laughs> and, and you know who I'm loving is Stephen A. Smith. Man, for three weeks now he's been eating. He'd been eating big time crow because <laughs> he he after they lost the first game he was going crazy the season is over that's what he said now today he tried to you know put some sauce on it by saying well what i meant was mm-hmm. the cowboys aren't going to make the playoffs that's what i meant by that no you didn't he meant the season was over as if they were just going to you know get destroyed and not even be relevant. And as of right now, the Cowboys are three and one, but put it in perspective, the Giants are three and one as well. And Philadelphia is four and oh in the NFC East, but got to give it to Cooper rush, man. He's been playing well, three games, three W's. And so he even has Dak Prescott (laughs) talking about, he's coming back in week five. So Prescott is getting a little antsy knowing he has to get back in there because Cooper Rush has been playing well. Yeah, I think Prescott has, is remembering how he got the job with Romo right. getting hurt and him stepping in and, and doing his thing as a rookie. Um, obviously, Cooper's not a rookie, but he's he's doing his thing. He's not losing games. And that's I think that's all they ask, they're all asking him to do is just don't lose the game. Keep us in it. Manage. Be in control. Don't lose it. And he's doing just that, man. It's not flashy. Like we were talking, um, I believe, last week and off air. It's not flashy. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not, you know, Joe Burrow. It's none of that. But he's doing just enough to win the game and not lose it and give it away. And that's all you can ask for from the backup QB. Right. And their defense has has stepped Stepped up. up. Yes, they have. They have a really good front line and a good pass rush. And so they get after you make life hard for you and again they haven't been playing you know hall of fame quarterbacks other than tom brady in the first game right i mean you know joe burrow is a good quarterback but the offensive line for cincinnati was banged up daniel jones you know is daniel yeah. jones right yeah. and carson wentz is carson wentz you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's not like they were playing aaron Rodgers or you know any of the top quarterbacks in the league but that's not they shouldn't be faulted for that. You know, you, you have to play who's on your schedule. And that's what they've done. And they're playing with a backup quarterback. So the other team, right? You know what I'm saying? They're not yeah. playing a Hall of Famer either. You know what I mean? So to me, that's a, that's like a fair kind of a trade. Um, but the Cowboys defense has stepped up and and I think the Cowboys have, you know, played crisper football. They haven't been as mistake prone. Um, as we've seen them be too many times, and they're coming away with the W's. And so you know how it goes, Rob. At the end of the season, 
you just count up the wins. That's it. You know what I mean? Yep. And because along matters. the way, when you start losing to the Giants and you lose to the Commanders and so forth, and you end up nine and seven instead of eleven and five, or I guess now it's eighteen games. So, right? Is it eighteen games? Seventeen yeah, games. 18. 18 weeks, 17 games? Yeah, 17 games. Yeah. 17 so you games, end, yeah. you know what I mean? So, but so you end up nine and eight, you know what I mean? And, instead of, you know, having two more wins um, because you lose to teams like that, then you pay for it. So to me, you got to handle your business. And that's what the Cowboys have done. They beat these two teams at three and one. And now, you know, they play the Rams next week, but they're waiting to do next week for that. Week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're doing what they have to do, man. You know, especially beating a division rival yeah. uh, this past week. Like, it's you know, obviously you said mentioned the Eagles 4-0, Giants 3-1. That makes a huge difference. 3-1 as opposed to 1-3, that, that makes a huge difference, man. Yeah. And and they'll, they'll thank it. They'll thank the fact that they've won these last couple games later in the season. That's right. That's right. Now, something we haven't done, I think, at all during our time talking sports together is talk about the Jets. But the Jets are two and two. So I think they're they're worth they're worthy of a a little love today Um, because you're a Jets fan, aren't you? Yes, sir. So, you know, come on, I'll give you some, you know, the Jets are two and two. I mean, I don't know when the last time you've been able to say the Jets were two and two. After four Man, games I, into the season, I haven't seen the Jets at five hundred in so long, Jeff. <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> Zach Wilson's back. Wins the game yesterday. I'm happy with that. I'm not. I'm not celebrating too much. I know the Jets are still in the in the rebuilding mode. They still got to piece things together. You know, Zach Wilson did his thing. He still threw two interceptions. I'm waiting a few weeks. I want to see how this develops. I want to see them get Elijah Moore the ball some more because I think he's a ridiculous playmaker. I need to see him with the ball in his hands a lot more. You will see. I'm not celebrating. I'm not going to say too much, but teams that will watch out, we're coming. Well, they play the Dolphins this coming Sunday. Without The Dolphins will be without Tua, who's been going through that whole controversy with concussion that's not a concussion that everybody but the dolphins knows it's a concussion situation um which is just really crazy i mean because he it it was no doubt he had a concussion after that first game uh, on the sunday um a week ago sunday and then he gets knocked around again um on the thursday night game and you know what's crazy about that though rob is that he went to the hospital. They took him off a, on a stretcher, right? That was in Cincinnati. They took him off on a stretcher. He goes to the hospital. He gets released from the hospital, and then he flies home. Yeah, I mean, the way I, they handled the way they handled his situation, and and I hope that he fully recovers. And when he comes back, he's actually like hundred percent healthy and, and ready to go. But the way the situation was handled was so bad like yeah this guy's life was at risk and, and i don't say that lightly. like head injuries are no nothing to like scoff at like this is a mm-hmm. big deal um especially with all the stuff surrounding you know the cte and the concussions over the last few years nfl getting sued all that stuff happening 
for this to happen so publicly, such in the line, you know, in the limelight like this, it was embarrassing the way it was handled, man, from all sides. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, and like you said, you just hope that, you know, health wise, you know, he'll come out of this. Okay. Um, the NFL and NFLPA are looking into it. They're talking about changing some of the concussion protocols um, so that things like this don't happen again. And, you know, when I saw the game a week ago Sunday when he had the initial injury and he got up and then nearly collapsed because, you know, he had hit his head on the turf, you just knew, uh uh-oh, he got a concussion. And he comes, he comes back into that game. And, and after the game, they talk about he had a back injury. And that to me is just irresponsible. And mm-hmm. how that can happen in this day and age where so many protections are in place all across sports to protect player safety, health and safety. Um, something went wrong. Something went wrong there. And, you know, hopefully it'll be rectified and we won't see that again. Um, but uh, the Jets do have a chance now with, you know, Tua being out, maybe they can take advantage of, of his absence, unfortunately for him, but it, it, you know, that's how it goes in the NFL and in sports next man up. And, you know, the Jets have an opportunity perhaps to steal a win that they otherwise might not even be in a position to get. Yeah, and they, at the end of that week, at the end of next week, the Jets may be in a tie for first place in the Mm. division. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know, man. That's all I'm saying. Shades of Joe Willie. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. You never know. You never know. You never know. The Jets are coming. Yep. Um. Real quickly, man, before we get on up out of here, um, you know, you and I were speaking earlier today <clears throat> about the silence surrounding Brittany Griner. Um, Brittany Griner is still um, detained in in Russia. Um, uh, and, you know, there was some momentum at, at a certain point. There was a lot of attention and publicity being generated around her situation. And we had gotten to the point where, you know, the two governments, United States and Russia, were talking about, um, you know, trying to reach a deal, some kind of swap. And we thought that might have meant that her release was imminent. But it's been several weeks now and it's been radio silence. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a sign that the talks, which are sensitive, are intensifying. And so that's why maybe everyone is on a, you know, a gag order, so to speak. Um, you got to hope so, uh, because it has been really silent over the past several weeks. And don't quite know what to make of that. But you have to hope that it's one of those no news is good news types of things for Britain. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. I hope we we do hope that's the case. Um, obviously, this is very sensitive stuff. Has to do with governments going at it. 
um, and having these discussions. So hopefully, like you said, there's no news, it's good news, and it's kind of a need-to-know basis at this point. Um, but we, we just hope, continue to hope for the best, man, and hopefully, you know, we have the outcome that we hope um, some point very soon. Yeah. And you just wonder, too, the way the war has been going, um, where Russia has actually been relinquishing, you know, territory that they've previously taken. And then the New York Times had those intercepted calls where, you know, you had Russian soldiers complaining about being out there fighting a war that they don't believe in fighting a war that they don't believe they can win. That was, has to be an embarrassment for Russia. And so, you know, you just wonder if that plays into it as well as like, you know what, if we do that and then we give up this high profile prisoner that we said committed this great crime against our country, how does that look for us? You know, cause so you just never know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Um, with all of this, but hopefully, um, there's progress being made behind the scenes and you know Brittany Griner will be released soon but at least wanted to mention that because it has been several weeks um and really haven't heard anything so let's just hope for the best there Rob yeah absolutely man okay brother well we are going to sign off um we got to get you some time man so you can get some extra sleep um, you know, take your Flintstone vitamins, um, you know, do what you got to do, Rob, cause you got to come with it. You know, yeah. you, you know, you, you're, you're the guru here. You know? This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. So this is your time to shine and come forth with your playoff prediction, but I'm really looking forward to those. So, um, we'll look to get those as the week unfolds, but, um, all right, brother let's uh let's let's wrap it up here we'll look forward to hearing from you on your playoff predictions and of course we'll be getting together a week from today if all goes well and we'll come back with another edition of sports 360 so thanks for hanging with me brother and we'll talk soon